Well, good morning. I'm glad to see you. This is the first Sunday in Lent. How many of you knew that? Okay, good. Well, some of you didn't, so that was worth the trip, right? And so we're going to be talking this whole Lenten season about this same theme that we're going to be looking at today, and that is the kingdom of God is near. And that's important because back in the day, they didn't really they didn't really understand it the way we would understand it today. So we're going to explain that a little bit. Now Jesus is teaching and he's teaching religious leaders and whenever he teaches, they're always trying to figure out a way to trick him because they're upset with him because he teaches things that are different than what they've learned. Also, a lot of people want to come hear Jesus and they don't always want to come hear the religious leaders and they're kind of jealous of him. And so this one guy who has a sincere heart, he comes up to Jesus and he says, Lord, let me ask you a question. Which one of these commandments do you think is the most important? And Jesus responds to him, and this is in the Gospel of Mark, the 12th chapter. And he said, well, the most important one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he says the second one is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these two. And Jesus was saying, well, there's not really one, there's two. And he kind of breaks that down for him. And then he goes on and the guy responds and he says, well, well said, teacher. The man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And then he goes on and, and Jesus responds to this guy. And this is important. This is what he said. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Now, what I want you to realize is back in the day, back then, you know, they, they knew of God. They knew about God, but they didn't really know how to have a relationship directly with God. They studied the scripture that they had. They prayed, they tried to follow all the rules that they possibly could, but Jesus is going to bring them a whole new concept, a new way for them to do life and to do faith. So for the next few weeks, I want to tell you this story, and here's what's going on. Simon Peter is narrating the story to John Mark, okay? And it becomes the gospel of Mark that we know today. This is when Jesus' death has taken place. And so for the next 30 years, Peter continues to tell the story of what it was like to follow Jesus. See, he would go into a town and they would all know about it. And they would say, well, what was he like? Tell me, what, what was it like to be with him? Tell me what you learned from him. And they were fascinated by it. So now Peter is in his 50s and he's in Rome and Nero has got him in prison. And he doesn't know whether he's going to leave or not, and he's not going to leave. But he's there with John Mark, and he's going to tell his story one more time. John Mark coaxes it out of him. Now, he's not going to tell it to the multitudes this time. He's just going to tell it to this one person. And this one person, John Mark, is going to just write it down, and it will become the Gospel of Mark. You know, Peter was an uneducated fisherman, right? But Jesus comes along and he says, I'm going to teach you how to fish a different way. I'm going to teach you how to fish for men and women, for people, so that they might come to know me, so that their souls might be saved. And Mark had traveled with Peter for the last year or two, and now they're here in Rome. Just the two of them, and they've just got some limited time together. And so little did they know that 2,000 years later, 
we'd still be talking about what they were doing back then. 2,000 years later, we'd still be reading the story. We'd still be studying it. We'd be discussing it. We'd be talking about it today. And it starts in Mark 1, and it says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And this is where you might say, well, do you really believe that your rabbi is really the Son of God? Come on, Peter, you're in prison. You're here in Rome. You don't know whether you're going to live or die. Are you sure you're right about this man? And I think Peter probably would have just smiled and said, I'm right. I know what I'm talking about. I was there. I saw it with my own two eyes, and I'm going to tell you about it today. And later, in 1 Peter, it says this, When they hurled their insults at him, meaning Jesus, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Peter didn't understand all of that at the time, but later on it would come together for him. And so he would spend all those years talking about it afterward. Now, when I was growing up, if somebody had asked me, okay, what does it mean to be a Christian? I probably would have said something like this. Well, Jesus died for my sins, and if I put my faith in him, I get to go to heaven when I die. And meanwhile, I'm supposed to be a good boy and a good husband and a good father, right? And if you'd told Peter that answer, he would have just looked at you curiously because that really wasn't the message that he was trying to communicate. He wouldn't have understood that at all. Because Peter understands that the arrival of Jesus is all about something different. He said, every day of your life, you are with the assurance that God is near. That's a totally new concept to them. You can live right now with the assurance that God is near. You can have a relationship with him. You can know him. You can talk to him. He'll listen to you. And after John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And after that, Jesus makes his way to the Sea of Galilee, and Peter tells us that he's sharing the good news that God is near. And Jesus says in Mark, the first chapter, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. And then he goes on, the time has come. Everything in the Jewish religion pointed to the moment in time of what was about to happen on earth. The kingdom had come near. Why? Because the king's in town. And the king has got the kingdom with him. You see, he's saying that the future is now. This is the fulfillment that you've been waiting on. Now, here's what I want you to see. They would begin to learn that the kingdom of God was a kingdom of the heart. See, for them back then, they said, okay, he's going to come. The Messiah is going to come. We're going to have this new kingdom. Everything's going to be better. We won't be persecuted anymore. He's going to be in charge, and, and he's going to you know, write names down and take people out, and, and, and he's going to be the power, and we're not going to have to deal with all this stuff we're dealing with anymore. And that wasn't it at all. He said the kingdom's here because it's going to be a relationship with you in your heart. You can ask that relationship to come into your heart. You can have that new relationship with God. And it would have been a time when things had been difficult for them. And it was introducing a whole new kind of king and a whole new kind of kingdom. And here's what he's focusing on. He's saying the two things you need to really try to do, you need to try to really love God and you need to love other people. Now that's the same message today, to love God 
and to love other people. And here's the thing that you need to catch about Jesus being the king. He came to give his life for his subjects instead of expecting his subjects to give their lives for him. You had kings who would send people out. Okay, we got to fight and battle. You got to protect the kingdom. You got to protect me. You go out, give your life, die for me if you have to. Jesus reversed everything. He said, no, I've already died for you. It's going to happen. And so you can have a relationship with me. And he says, there's a covenant between God and us. And you can be a part of that covenant. It's real. And it was shocking at the time when he introduced this covenant between God and the world. You mean I can have a relationship with God? Yes, indeed, you can. And Jesus continues to open the gates wide of this new kingdom to let people participate in it. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you had friends when you were growing up? Okay. Okay, good. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm so glad you had friends. How many of you don't have friends anymore? It's a sad day for you. Okay. One person in the last service raised his hand. I should have known. Lee Sullivan, he didn't have friends. I, you know, but, but we, I said, nothing's changed, right? Okay. But, but here's the point. When you were growing up, you kind of had a group of people that you hung out with. You did life with, you went to school with, right? And, and not just anybody could get into that inner circle of friends. You know, you, you had some acquaintances maybe, but there was this group that was you were tight with. They were your closest friends. And Jesus is going to come along, and he's just going to blow that all out of the water. He gives them two imperatives here about the kingdom. Jesus says in Mark, repent and believe the good news. He just says, repent. Now, repentance, when we think about repentance today, we think, well, I'm going to turn away from sin and I'm going to turn toward God. And that's true. That's, that's the very thing we're going to do. Repentance says, I'm not going to live that way anymore with God's help. I'm going to follow him. But here's the point. It's not just what I'm not going to do anymore, okay? But it, what am I going to do? What, what, how am I going to walk with God now? How am I going to live for God now? And, and boy, that is good news that God is near. You know, when you're, when you're lonely, when you're far from home, when you're not with your friends, you, you're really going through a difficult time. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know God is near, that I've got God with me, that everywhere I go, he's going to be right there and I'm not going to be alone. What a blessing that is. And so it's a brand new kingdom. It's a brand new way to participate. And it's an opportunity for you and me. And then Mark goes on. Now, here's what happens. Mark says to Peter, okay, you're, you're getting all out of chronological order here, and I don't like it. So here, I want you to back the truck up a little bit and tell me how you first met Jesus, because I want to know about that. And so he begins to tell him in Mark, the first chapter, it says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. When they had gone a little farther, it said, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teachings because he taught them as one who had authority and not one who was just teaching the law. They, they recognized his authority. They saw it in him. And then it says, news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. You can imagine. 
Because here's a guy that teaches a way they've never taught before. He's healing people. He's resurrecting people. You know, you try to keep that quiet. That's not going to happen. You've got to share that, right? And so now Peter tells us three stories. Now, there are three stories he's going to talk about, okay? The first one is about a leper. The second one is about um, a guy who was paralyzed. And the third one is about a tax collector. So those are the three big picture stories we're going to see. And the first thing that we discover about Jesus is he ignored certain religious protocol. Second, he claimed to have the authority to forgive sin. And third, he was uncomfortably comfortable with unrepentant sinners. So these three obstacles, he just blows them out of the water. And it says in Mark, the first chapter, So they traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogue, driving out demons, and a man with leprosy <coughs> came to him. Now, in those days, people who had leprosy could not participate in life. They sat on the sidelines. They, they had to watch their children grow up from a distance. They couldn't be around them. They watched other people prosper while their lives were going down the drain. They watched the world change, but they couldn't be a part of it. They were shunned, and nobody ever touched them. Well, let's go back to the story. And so a man with leprosy came to him, begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And that kind of faith was perfect faith, wasn't it? It was expecting that Jesus can heal me, and I hope that he will heal me, okay? And in Mark it says, Jesus was indignant. Now, why was he indignant? What was that about? Jesus wasn't upset with the leper. Jesus was upset with the whole attitude toward leprosy by the culture. He was upset that this person, he was a part of a, a social taboo, that he couldn't be a part of things. He hated what the disease did to people. And the scripture continues. He reached out his hand, Jesus reached out his hand, and he touched the man. Now at this point, Peter is about to freak out, okay? Peter's going, don't touch him. Don't, don't, what do you think you're doing? He's got leprosy. You can't touch him. He, you might get leprosy, but even if you don't, you'll have to go all the way back to the temple. You'll have to be made ceremonially clean. It'll take forever. You can't get back here just right away. It'll be a long thing and a drawn out ordeal. He said, just say something to him to heal him, but don't touch him. That's what he's thinking to himself. But the Bible says, but Jesus touched the man. You see, he wasn't constrained by purity laws. Jesus chose to meet the needs of people. He wasn't caught up in ritual or political correctness because in those days, ritual and religion and politics was all tied together. He ignores all that. He ignores that it's dangerous. And, it, and he, this is what the man says. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And Jesus sent him away with this stern, strong warning. Now, here's what he's saying. He said, I'm getting ready to tell you something. I want you to listen. He said, don't go out and tell everybody what just happened. Why? Because it's hard enough for me to come in with the throngs of people as it is now. But if you go tell everybody what I've just done, I can't even get to the people. I won't be able to be a part of the group. The, the crowds will just be around me all the time. But you can imagine the guy's so excited. I mean, he's just been healed from leprosy. He's not going to keep that to himself. So what does he say? 
Instead, he went out and he began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Wouldn't you go to him? Sure. Everybody wanted to be around Jesus, right? And they eventually go back to Capernaum and they go into this large house and he's teaching there. Okay, now while they're gathered together in this room, it says there's such a large numbers that there's no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Now this is the second story, okay? First story, leprosy. Second story, the paralyzed man. And so it says since they couldn't get Jesus in, couldn't get him into Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? You see, you got a choice here. You can get excited that this guy's about to be healed from being paralyzed, or you can get upset because he said, I'm going to forgive sin for this guy. And you, one of the two things has got to happen there. And that was the way the religious leaders were looking at it. And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking, okay, in, his heart, in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? And then he says this, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Now, in the pagan and Jewish cultures of the day, there was an assumption about sickness and about behavior. Because back then, when people looked at you, if you were sick, if you were born blind, you had some kind of infirmity, something happened, you had leprosy, whatever, it's because you did something wrong or somebody in your family did something wrong, and that was the thinking. So you, people didn't have a lot of mercy and sympathy for people who were sick and struggling. They just said, well, he got what he deserved, right? I mean, that was the attitude back then. And Jesus just blows that whole thing out of the water. He rejects it completely. And Jesus said, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up, he took his mat, he walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. Now look, if you were there and the guy got paralyzed, wouldn't it freak you out too? Wouldn't you be so excited? This is great. I got to tell people about this. And, and here are these guys, they're saying, wait a minute, you can't forgive people. What are you thinking? I mean, it's a totally different. What about the guy getting healed? I mean, you're just going to totally uh, forget that, overlook that, not realize what's just happened? You know, there's two ways that you can always look at things. And you can see the good in what God does even when things are bad, right? And so... He wants them to know that. And so it amazed everyone. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you ever wonder if God can forgive you? Because see, I, what I've learned in my ministry and over the years of Christianity is a lot of people believe that God can forgive everybody else. Well, I believe God can forgive you, but, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. I'm not sure that God could forgive me. You don't know what I, I've participated in. 
And what I'm here to say today is that yes, he can. I've got some good news for you. God can forgive. He wants to forgive. All you got to do is ask him. And Peter would just say, yeah, I know. I know that he can forgive. He forgave me. The time has come for us to be able to know that the kingdom of God is near. It's here. Repent and believe the good news. You see, if God can forgive you and me, then we just need to learn to forgive ourselves. And when you realize it, then, then what you do is you just take a hold of that and realize my sins can be forgiven. He's going to forgive me. He's going to cleanse me. He's not just going to make me better. I'm going to be new. And in Mark, the second chapter, it says, as he walks along, he says he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. This is the third story, okay? What was the first story? Leper. What was the second story? Paralyzed man. Third one, tax collector, okay? The tax collector was a customs officer. Now, back in the day, the tax collectors, they didn't have any oversight. They could just go and they could, whatever they thought they could get out of you, they could get it. And whatever they wanted to keep for themselves, they could. There was nobody saying to them, well, there's this set amount and you can only get this much and you can't hang on to any of it. You've got to turn it in. It wasn't like that. So all the people hated the tax collectors. And now Peter is the disciple of this very popular rabbi. So it's Peter and Andrew and James and John are walking along and they see Levi who we know as Matthew, okay? And Jesus says, follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Now, this is where the disciples freak out again. What would you invite him for? Nobody likes him. We don't even want him in our group. What are you thinking? What are you talking about? Don't you know what's going on here? He'll ruin our reputation. And now they've got to make a decision. Are they going to let this guy in? And are they going to continue to follow Jesus? Are they going to say, well, if he's coming in, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm starting a new group, so there, right? And Jesus is saying, no, it's open to everybody. Everyone can participate, even people like you, even people like me. Everyone can participate. And the kingdom of God has come. And so here's what happens. All the time, Jesus collides with our fears and our insecurities and our prejudices. And he says, no, we're going to look at this totally different. And, and so we have to change. We have to see it in a new way. Repent and believe the good news. Okay? Now, what happens next? Well, you'll have to come back next week because we've run out of time. I, I can't just keep talking forever, but that's it, okay? So that's the Lenten series just getting started. Look at the person next to you and say, well, I'm coming back next week. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for this good word. We pray, Lord, that we'll read about it, learn about it, hear about it, but we'll apply it. We'll take it to heart. We'll share it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.